Hello, hello, and hello, everybody! Welcome back for another episode. If not now, when? In today's show, I am super excited to welcome my longtime friend Lucas to join us today. Lucas has over twenty-five years in the tech sector. His expertise ranging from cybersecurity, DevOps, apps modernization, human capacity scalability, and Lucas became accidental entrepreneurs、uh, back in twenty twenty. That's when he started Infinite Range. Today, they specialize in helping clients to activate, deploy, and optimize the software securely. Additionally, Lucas also serves as an advisory member for VMware Tanzu, collaborate with the leadership from channel partner organizations to explore and validate the Tanzu's vision and direction. With that, everybody, I am super excited. Please join me to welcome Lucas to the show. Well, Lucas, I am so honored to have you join us today. So tell us how does all the magic begin for you? It、uh, started in the middle of nowhere in Ohio.、Mm. Um, I was born to a,、uh, a truck driver and a, a school teacher in a town that had two hundred people, and that was five miles from my house.、Um, so I lived at the end of the dirt road, take a left, and then keep going for a little ways.、Um, so.、Uh, Yeah, it was a very different time, a very different place than where we are today, and some of the conversations that、uh, you know we're a part of, and I'm a part of、uh, today. So、um, the journey has been、uh, a lot of different cultures, different people, different ideas, different、yeah. technologies, different things that、uh, it all weaves into a, a pretty cool story. So, what's it like growing up in a tiny little town? Um, in Ohio, so it was.、Uh, it was actually、um, really rewarding.、Um, lived in the same tiny little house until I went to college,、um, and、uh, my graduating class in high school was ninety-two people, and we had that was three towns put together.、Um, so、uh, everybody knew everybody. Everybody had grown up with everybody.、Uh, I think we had three people, maybe four. That I didn't go to elementary school with. Oh my god! Out of god. everybody, so I have eighteen classes in my high school. Each class about seventy kids. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Wow. People are well. A lot of people in China. But please continue. <laughs> wow. So,、um, you know, I was I was born and very gifted athletically,、um, and、uh, yeah, dealt with some some things as a kid. I was in a, a pretty bad accident when I was 13 and、uh, broke.、Uh, what was it? I think it was like 20 bones.、Um, it was in a coma for a little while.、Um, and how was、uh, that accident impacting who you are? You know, it it really taught resiliency.、Um, there is a uh, uh, an ideation that when you know something happens, it's about how you respond to it. And so, you know, I was 13 years old.、Mm-hmm. Uh, had been、uh, starting quarterback, was a pitcher in baseball, was played starting on the basketball team.、Um, wow, you start everywhere, all yeah. teams. Yeah, I was kind of the athlete of、mm-hmm. our、uh, of our 
school, and that was your identity, who you are, what you're good at, how you how you share your gift to the world. Yeah, it was a blend of that, and then I was part of the academic teams. So you know, I competed in state history competitions, and uh, you know, was part of some academic、uh, kind of advancement、uh, type of groups.、Um, we'll call it. You got、um, all the world. Yeah, and then、uh, then a car hit me doing about seventy mile an hour, and I、uh, that changed some things. So all of those items that you take for granted that as a child when you're more athletic than other child children,、um, the when you're not, all of a sudden you're not. To your point, that identity goes away, part of your identity. And at that point, I was. Told you can either you know stop and focus on you know your academics or it's going to take a lot of rehab and it's going to take a lot of work and effort to get back to where you were. So for a solid six months, every day at five a.m. when other kids were sleeping, I was in physical therapy、uh, at the school with our our trainer,、uh, learning how to walk again and learning how to、uh, you know do the things that I used to do. Um, and then by the end of the year, or six months later, I actually ended up starting on the basketball team again. What?、Um, so that's yeah. insane. Yeah. From not able to walk to in six months, play the sport again. Yeah. That sounds nearly impossible. It well, it was supposed to be, but、um, you know, what's, you work. What's in your mind when you did you set that goal? It, it, it was learning to set goals at that time. Um, that was part of what taught me is okay. Well,、um, you know, you start with your what today we call a BHAG, your your big hairy audacious goal, <laughs>、um, and that's kind of put in the mindset of a business person today. And then you work backwards from there and、mm. put the steps in place. Well, you know, I had started quarterback the year before. I wasn't going to get to play football.、Um, so, what could I do? Became the question, not what can I do, but what could I do?、Mm. And then, okay, what do I want to do, and what are the steps I need to get there? And thinking through that, learning how to do that was something that really、um, it kind of set who I was. I'm I'm just so inspired by that because I imagine there's so much, so much pain physically and emotionally in those moments, right? If you want to have a moment to yourself. Everyone will understand, but instead you make a tough choice. Instead of thinking what I cannot do anymore, why lost? Instead, focus on what can I do. And then from that moment, from not able to walk, hit by a big truck, to in six months play the sport again. That's unheard. It's a lot of what that taught me as well is there. People want to help you, but you have to help yourself first. I agree. I love that.、Um, I, I I tell people, universe always got you back, but、mm-hmm. you need to get yourself back first. That's right,、Thank、and it's、you. it's a fine balance. <laughs> it's、um, because you know, in doing good for others, generally that's paid back ten times over in ways you'll never expect.、Um, and if you do too much right at the sacrifice of yourself, then the people who are around you、uh, rely on you. Then they become at risk, and so it becomes about what's important to you, and then balancing between being kind and doing the right thing. Sometimes those two things don't always align, and you have to find that balance over the course of your life.
Um, Thoughtful. I love that. So, so we'll have fun there. Now you back in the sporting. Yeah. What's next chapter for you? So I, uh, um, at that point, decided I didn't want to be in Ohio anymore. It was mm-hmm. too cold. Mm-hmm. Um, I did not like the cold, uh, and so um, applied to a couple universities and was automatically uh, given a, a entrance to Arizona State. So going from one of the coldest places in the United States near Cleveland, Ohio, to some place where it gets to 120 in the summer um, and your flip flops melt on the sidewalk. Um, so it was a very big change, but it at that point had started to align with who I had become as a person, which was follow your dream, follow what you're going to do. Don't ask questions and just keep going and don't be afraid. Because you've already overcome something that most will not overcome. So whatever they throw at you, you're you're, you're going to be okay. And you develop that confidence mm. as you get a win. You know, you, um, one Almost of my like, favorite books um, is uh, uh, there is a, a General Admiral, or I'm sorry, Admiral uh, David um, McRaven. Admiral McRaven, that's not David. Um, but anyway, um, it's called Make Your Bed. And it really was one of those books that transformed me. It was a speech he gave uh, to University of Texas graduating class in Mm -hmm. 2013. And it starts with what can you do? So every morning when you get up, if you have a habit of making your bed, that starts the day with a success. Mm. And then you build from that success. So, uh, you know, I've gone through some, some more injuries and things like that and got to a point where I couldn't do a whole lot um, Another injury? Sorry. Yeah, I've had a lot. Um, after that, after you arriving, yeah, nineteen Arizona? years in the ER straight. <laughs> like a s- accident? Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Wow. So, I'm uh, sorry. Car to hear accidents that. and things like that. Yeah. You were wow. You were in the cards. Yeah. Okay. Wow. I'm sorry to hear that, but I, I do remember one story that's very touching to me. Is this one moment you speak about how you literally couldn't do anything, mm-hmm. and speaking about making it bad, you speak about how you start with one water a day. Tell us that, that story. Yeah, that's. Uh, um, so fast forward twenty years, uh, we'll call it sixteen, seventeen. Um, I had had four ankle surgeries at that point. Um, I have. Uh, cadaver ligament, so dead person ligaments in my ankle. I call it my zombie ankle. Um, and uh, they replaced torn ligaments and tendons that I had. Um, and at that time, I had put on quite a bit of weight, almost like 80 pounds. Um, and so um, after that ankle surgery, uh, I couldn't put my ankle below my heart for a little while uh, to keep the pain out for about a week and, you know, getting up to go to the restroom and stuff like that. That's about it. Um, And the thing that I was, I was thinking back to that book and I couldn't get up. I couldn't make my bed. I couldn't do any of that. Like, but it came back to that 13 year old me in my head. It was, what can you do? Mm. So, um, you know, I really started to lean into discipline. Um, How do I hold myself accountable? to that type of growth like I used to when I would accomplish all of these things. And, um, and I realized at that point, if I wrote out what I was going to do every morning for a week, and I just said, I'm going to do these six things or these seven things every morning. And if I do them, mm-hmm. I have been successful. 
Mm. So you re- you redefine what success meant for you, and That's you right. hold yourself accountable to achieving that. That's right. So how how small could I make it? Mm. I am going to when I wake up within five minutes, take a drink of water. That was my goal, and I know how simple and small and silly it sounds, but those are ways that when I did that, I was like, okay, well, I did I did the thing I said I was going to do. So I can do more. There's a power in that. Yes. Yes. Um, and that ideation um, at the time, I was an executive at Manpower Group um, and a large $21 billion firm um, and was running some very large accounts and it was some very high stress. And um, then just one day uh, it was gone. Uh, we had a disagreement about the direction of the company. Um, I left. And then I hurt my ankle and I'm laying there and I can't do the things. What what that to happen in the same time frame? Yeah, it all happened all at once. So, um, you know, these things were occurring and uh, um, it just started to uh, really make me think about what was going to be the thing that I wanted to say that I did and go do it. What was the thing? Um, well, over my career, I started in software and I was running a business channel in Asia and Latin America. So every quarter at 23 years old, I would fly from Phoenix to uh, Seoul, to Japan, to the Philippines, to Singapore, to Australia. And I would do that once a quarter. Um, and meeting That's with so business. cool. It was a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah. 23 year old with, a, with an expense account. It was, uh, it was a good time. Um, but uh, after that, um, I got married and had my first kid at 2000, in 2006. So, you know, 26 years old, first time dad, been married about a year and a half. And um, my, my wife made the joke, oh, do you like traveling? And I was like, yes. And I, she was like, do you like being married? I said, yes. She goes, okay, pick one. Oh. Um, <laughs> oh my god Angie's the best that's a great question yeah and we're still married today uh we'll be 20 years here in about uh, uh three weeks uh, oh when is your anniversary uh January 4th wow beautiful congratulations thank you thank you she's definitely special yeah so that moment you had to make a decision it um I had realized over the years that um in working for large organizations or working for other people um I could make an impact and I'd always done very well in sales, publicly traded firms at twice. I think I was number one annually. Um, but the thing that I got the most joy out of was doing business the right way mm. and trying your best to be able to represent people to opportunities and connect them with work. And I realized that if I was working for somebody else, their, per, their um, what do you want to call it? Priorities. Uh, would not always align with doing the right thing. Are you going to make money? Or are you going to do the right thing? And I, I heard this quote from Michael Dell, and it still rattles in my head. Uh, the money is in the seams. So my business... The money is uh, in the seams. In the seams. So like uh, the seam between, like you're putting a, a Dell box together. Uh-huh. Okay. What does that mean when you say that? Most people think that uh, to make money, you have to solve some big, gigantic problem. One that, uh, you know, it's, it's huge out Changing there. the world. Yeah, it's going to change the world. Exactly. And um, 
what I started to see over and over again is that if you just change one little thing mm. and you focus on doing that one little thing right, you're going to find that a lot of other people have that similar challenge. Mm. You might not know who they are. You might not even know it's a challenge when you start out. It's just something that bothered you. And you start, said, I want to fix that that one thing and then I'm going to feel better. And and I'm going to feel fulfillment. Mm. And and so it became that, am I chasing money now? No, I'm not chasing money. I'm, am I chasing, you know, am I trying to save the world? No, I'm trying to fix this one little problem. And that was the aha moment. Just like me. when you made a bet, you are mm -hmm. focused on that one water. That's right. One glass of water. That's right. And now you focus on this one issue, one problem you want to solve very well. That's right. And so it, it became uh, identifying what did I enjoy about the work that I had done for 15 years? A lot of introspection, a lot of thought. Um, and then it became, if I had all the money in the world and I could fix one thing about what I had done that brought me joy, um, what would it be? And what I realized, and we'll get into the career stuff in a minute over the career, was that there is more work available um, than anybody could ever keep up with. And the challenge, at, as I recognized it, was that work requires multiple layers of legal and different things to get connected to by a person who can do the work. So if you're an engineer, for example, um, you want to work on a big brand and you want to do some engineering that, um, you know, say Walmart, for example, I want to go work on a project at Walmart. Most people are like, I have to go apply at Walmart and I have to do work as an FTE for Walmart. And that's how I'm going to be able to put that on my resume. And I'm going to be able then to shop it around to other people. And that makes me more valuable because I have big experience and big enterprise developing with the biggest brand in the world. And the reality is that's not how it's done. Every major enterprise and government player on the planet has at least 20% of their workforce as contractors. Those people, many, it's much more. Um, and what does that mean? If you go apply at Walmart in this example, you're going to be removed from those contractor opportunities or you're not going to know where to look. So I said, well, if we just sign the people who are going to be delivering the engineering services to all the big enterprises in the government and that we can provide them and connect them with people who want to be FTE or we don't care. Recruiting for those professional services engagements will allow us to connect the people to the work and then getting the work done will have a massive impact on the organizations, which can have a massive impact on the world. So I said, let's just find a way to connect the work to the people. However, that needs to happen and we will be that middle layer there. Mm -hmm. And then it becomes, how do you find, how do you identify those people? How do you attract them to the work? Make you, make them aware. Is it word of mouth? Is it branding? Is it a combination of all the things? And the answer is it's a combination, but it's built on the experience at the human level that people have when they're interacting with a brand. And that's what we decided to build. That, that was the, the moment is that we're not going to change a brand that exists that is all of it that's known for creating a bad experience or a subpar experience, let's call it, for people who are trying to connect with work. If you're a consulting firm, 
your standards are through the roof when you're interviewing people and the people who are doing the interviewing might not even know what they're talking about. <laughs> so they're interviewing an engineer and they've never written a lie to code in their life and they're going to make the decision of whether that engineer gets the job. doesn't make any sense. So we said, we'll just win those projects and we'll have a group of people who are interested in becoming connected to that work. That's, that's how it all started was just solve that one problem, find work, connect people to it. And then from that, it grew and scaled fairly quickly. Wow. Brilliant. Brilliant, I said. So how was the entrepreneurship journey take you? Imagine in the past, I, I know that you, you, you even say yourself, you were an accidental entrepreneur. This is not really your plan, right? How was that journey for you? Bring a helmet. <laughs> Give us uh, more insight. What do you mean by that? There, um, everybody that has never been a founder or CEO thinks that the spoils and the riches and the things that are Glitters. envisioned, yeah, all the shiny objects, everything like that, um, they feel like that is what being a founder and a CEO is. And was it not? <laughs> <laughs> the uh, the reality, my reality, mm. maybe others have had it very different, not many that I've spoken with, though, mm -hmm. um, is that you have to be uh, available. And if you want to be good at your work and be a good founder, you got to eat a lot of humble pie. Mm. Um, because uh, you can fight till you're blue in the face to be right on a topic. Mm -hmm. But what does it get you? Mm. Um, so uh, I have uh, thought I was right in many situations um, where my team starts off. They're like, no, you're wrong. And if you're not going to change your, your way, then we're out. Um, and it, it becomes, it can become very confrontational if you let it. That's radical. Oh, yeah. It's uh, high stress situations. You know, we deal in cybersecurity and we deal in, in you know, high stakes, quick action type of things. And yeah. so um, the personalities generally that we work with are a little higher strung um, in many cases. So um, it was, it's learning how do you manage? How do you be a salesperson? How do you be a CMO? How do you be a CFO? And how do you be a CEO all in one day? <laughs> all those hats. <laughs> yep, you, you move. You have to rock in from your perspective of, okay, how is this going to affect the business at a positive level, at a business level? And then you have to put your hat on and you say, okay, now that I think I know that after talking with a couple people, how is this going to impact our long-term financial plan? And what changes will need to be made to that? And then you have to think about how is this going to affect our branding with our current customers as well as our new customers? Mm -hmm. Is this something we want to undertake in order to further our plan to grow? Um, and then at the end of the day, you have to make a decision and then you have to communicate that through to your team to help execute. So usually uh, that's in an enterprise, that's six months and that's multiple parties that have many meetings that argue and debate and come up with a plan that they think is best. And as an entrepreneur, um, you get about sometimes 20 minutes to go through that cycle. Um, <laughs> so it's, it's, it's different. So what's your secret to surviving those moments? Surround yourself with people who care. Um, that 
if I could find one thing that is consistent of success or failure is uh, one, nobody will ever care about your dream as much as you. Nobody. Fair said. It, it, because it's your dream. Mm-hmm. Now, people may get excited and people may then take ownership of that dream and say, that dream is great and I want to be a part of it. And I'm willing to dedicate myself and I'm willing to put the time, I'm willing to put that effort in to go help accomplish that as a team. But it's not their dream. Mm-hmm. And as a founder, you think that everybody that sees your vision has that same passion. Mm. Well, at least I did. And that's not the case. They have the passion in you as the founder, as the visionary, as the person who can see the angles that they're not able to see. And for me, it was, I thought they were looking at the same vision that I have built over 20 years of doing this type of thing and trying to solve the one problem. And it, it changed my leadership style, I think is the right way to From say. From what to what? Um, always expecting that people will do what is right on behalf of the company versus what is right on behalf of them. So when you start to scale, when you're real small, you know, less than five people or 10 people, you know, you're just, you're, you're together, but uh, you're able to talk openly. Like there's, there's no hiding. There's no, like you got a lot going on. People are very honest and open. There's not like, oh, I'm going to go talk to my boss. It's who do I see about that? And then as you start to pick up more business, you have to have a repeatable process and you have to have a way to produce the experience of the customer that's consistent regardless of who is delivering it. Mm -hmm. So that brand becomes more important than the person to make sure that that experience with the brand remains consistent, people have to be held, be held and hold themselves to a line of accountability and process where it becomes more uh, professional and more enterprise-like um, and more businessy, if you will. <laughs> um, and so as that happens, that's a transition point in, in the business. And sometimes it's hard to make the adjustments of, well, I used to just do all these things. Now I actually have to talk with somebody else about it and make them aware and get their approval. And that transition can be hard as a leader because you you want that personal connection that got you to where you are. But there has to be a change in the way the business is being run in order to continue growing. And so that, that understanding that Find out what's important to that person and don't assume it's the same vision that you have and then find ways that your vision can help them be successful. Mm. Then that's when the magic happens. Mm. That's when people start to work together and they start to joke and they're like, oh, yeah, I know you like to go sing. Well, we're going to have this event. And we're going to go sing or we're going to go. Um, you know, I know you like to play basketball. You know, we, we got tickets to the game tonight. Um, you want to go. And it becomes this hey, I need some help down the line on this. And you have those out of the office conversations because you're in more of a formal environment normally. And so you have to transition with that leadership style. And that's that's incredibly hard mm-hmm. after you've gone through the intensity of you know bootstrapping like I did. Yeah. It's yeah. like you start your own business and that's your beautiful baby, the child that you created. And then at that point, at one point, 
you have to let it go in order mm-hmm. for it to scale and grow. It's almost like metaphorically speaking, you are birthing a child that, you know, say an infancy will require you constantly feeding, changing and such. But as a child growing to a teenager, now it's a different type of uh, state required. And now you have to change your leadership and style to adapt in a different type of growth that company is experiencing. Yep. And it's it's that thinking, and you and I have talked about this before, is, you know, I opened it with what is, uh, start with the end in mind. Mm. Um, you know, I did it backwards. Um, I, I set out with, I am going to prove that there's a better way to connect people with work. Something that's never been done before. And uh, then people would say, what's your exit plan? I was like, what, what do you mean? What's the exit plan? The exit plan is I'm going to win. Hmm. And then I win. <laughs> um, and that's not reality. Um, and what's so the reality? The reality is if you can't articulate your vision and the end of your vision and what good looks like to your team, to investors, to whoever you may be involved with, then in their minds, it comes up, at least in my experience, that it's just a dream. Hmm. It's not a plan. Um, you know, dreams are the start of plans, but it's not a plan. And people are trying to execute in the real world against a plan and not a dream. The dream is the inspiration. The plan is how we, we accomplish the goal. Mm-hmm. And so those two things need to be married together. And you know, sometimes uh, folks like myself are uh, very confident in what they can do in, in a way of being overconfident. And you have to step back and say, where could this go wrong? Mm-hmm. I don't think it's going to go wrong. But if I identify the places where it could go wrong, then learning how to ask for help was the other new thing as a leader I had to do. What was a biggest, what most expensive mistake oh. you ever made? <laughs> Working for somebody else. No. <laughs> but would you argue that? I hear you. We chuckle on that. But would you argue that is necessary, though, as a stepping forward? Not, it depends on the challenge you're trying to solve. Mm. So um, each challenge is going to be personal to the person that's trying to solve it. Fair. Um, The challenge I tried to solve was one that I felt that the enterprise customers and government customers uh, were dealing with and didn't know about. So for me, working for other firms and larger firms and seeing how they addressed a challenge um, was paramount for me learning about how I could do it better. Mm. Um, so you learned a lesson there. Now, mine, like I say, it's a B2B solution. Mm-hmm. It's something that uh, took a lot of relationship building over many years um, that I was able to capitalize on those relationships and, and carry them forward and learn how to operate in the world that I operate in. Um, you know, I, I look at like Sam Altman. For example, he was with Looped um, when he started his career, and then he has gone on, and now he's you know OpenAI and all the fun stuff going on there. Um, he didn't start out to solve AGI. He he went to school. He saw thought he could solve a problem. He started a business. I think he exited, and then he makes his way over, and now he's running. And people think he's the savior of you know artificial intelligence and what's what's to come. You know, he had his whole team, 700 people say they were going to walk if they didn't bring him back as a CEO. 
is Sam going to solve all the problems? No, his team's going to. And they believe in what he can do. But he didn't start off believing that he can do what he can do. It took those steps to get there. Mm -hmm. So, you know, his journey has been very different than mine. Um, but that personal journey is is what allows you to mature. And sometimes the journey's shorter, sometimes it's mm. longer, and then you just, you deal with it. Until last breath on earth. That's it. What is long, what is short, right? That's right. So since you start a company, I'm curious, and what is the biggest lesson in that? Yeah, you asked me what was the, uh, I should answer the question before. You asked me what was the most expensive mistake. Yes. Um. Putting too much faith in what people said versus what they do. Um, we've had a couple over, well, let me rephrase that, in my career, not just starting the business. Um, I would put faith in what I would hear. And then if I saw actions that were counteractive to what I had heard, I assumed that the person was making a mistake and was not doing it out of any reason than they were made. I always tried to have, you know, positive in mind. Um, and in many times, if I just would have listened to logic and made decisions with logic more than with emotion, um, those challenges would have never presented themselves. Many, I would say, as an example, we had a, a subcontractor one time working for us. And um, in our agreements, um, you know, you cannot go work for our customer in this subcontractor agreement that we have. And this firm, uh, this, this, these people, there was a few of them, um, decided to try to go and take those customers and cut us out of all of the business after we had introduced them to complete a project. Um, they also reached out to uh, like AWS and some of these others that um, present us with a lot of revenue and are bigger customers of ours. Um, and had I uh, paid attention to what was being said to me and some of the information that I was find, finding and actioned on it, um, we may have been able to salvage, I, I'd put it at about you know, 1.6, 1.7 revenue billion. Um, Ouch. yeah, it was a, it was an expensive one. Yeah. Um, all because you're trusting and people yeah. don't always do what they said they That's would. Right. That's right. So that must be tough. It, it became learn, trust, but verify. Mm. Someone else also told me that. That's very wise. Mm. <laughs> yeah, it, it being trusting people is something that you should always listen to your gut. Yeah. And so give for, people the opportunity to be right is, is kind of where my mindset always has been. Mm -hmm. Prove me right. Prove me that you are the person I think you are, that you're a good person. That, And I'm going to give you opportunities to do so. And if, if you choose not to be that person, mm -hmm. then that's okay. I'm, I'm putting that risk on the table knowing that that could occur. If you do it twice, then it's, then it's really on me. And then I, I got to shut it down. And that's, I used to give people third, fourth, fifth, sixth chances. Mm. And now after the second chance and you do the same thing twice, that mm -hmm. it's, mm. it's going to be hard to get back in there. And that, it took me, like I say, about 
1.6 to 2 million in revenue to learn that, that I know of. <laughs> Ouch. In my mind, I have this three strike out rule. Mm-hmm. If someone, you know, did something, I'm going to give them the benefit of doubt second time. But after third time, for sure. And in, in Chinese world, we have this word called uh, almost like if I have a mirror, if I break it into pieces, now it's hard to put it back together. Right. Similarly to the trust, right? If we right. did those ill actions, you know, over a certain period of time, doesn't matter what you say afterwards, it's not going to be back to the trust, the whole, the the connection. Trust is built over a period of usually months and years, mm. and it's it can be gone in a, a single sentence in some situations. Um, mm. Ouch. Yeah. Not easy. You know, one thing that always strike me, Lucas, about you is whether you speak about the mistrust, you speak about the things that occurred to you when you were young or the, 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 the illness and all the challenges, but you're always so calm and so speak as a matter of fact. How do you move over those challenges that bad and not let it drain on you? How do you able to show up second day and wake up in the morning, still hold the same dream in your heart and still move forward, whether it's one glass of water at a time or whatever, whatever other action you choose to do? It... Um... There was kind of a, a monumental change after I had left with Manpower Group that um, uh, allowed me to become much more positive um, than what had gotten me to where I was. So, you know, in my career, I started. There was a company called Agilon. They're part of the Adeco Group. Agilon is a uh, or Adeco is a forty-two billion dollar company, I think, um, and so. I started at 25, I became their number one rep in nine months. 110 people finished number one in revenue that year with people who had been there 10 years, like had customer base. Um, Then the next year finished number two by about $15 in revenue Um, on like a, I think it was like a $10 million number or something like that. Oh wow. Yeah. So um, that that competition was what drove me Mm -hmm. up through, uh, I always wanted to compete I never wanted a job where I wasn't paid on commission. I always wanted to be, you know, get reap the rewards of my effort. You want to uh, win. I wanted to win. And when you keep winning, you're climbing a mountain. <laughs> you are not laying on a playing field and, you know, people are going to be your advocates and people are going to, when you climb a mountain, it becomes the old game, king of the mountain. Mm-hmm. And people are trying to take you off the top of the mountain so they can get on top of them. They want to win. Just maybe not as bad as you. Maybe they want to win more. Mm. You don't know. And for me, winning was what brought me joy. And then in 2018, um, you know, I left Manpower, had, a, had this idea that there's a better way to do this. There, and um, I had to start with what brings me joy. Aside from winning, you know, I've got, two kids, a beautiful wife. I've got, um, you know, I've been successful in business at this point coming from this tiny farm town where I worked throwing hay bales at nine years (laughs) old. Like I worked, I drove a tractor down the road at nine years old with hay bales behind me and then parked it and filled up a barn with hay. Like that was my job when I was nine. So, um, you know, there's been this progression over the years. And then I get to this point and I'm like, man, 
I wonder what my son and my daughter think about me. Cause I've never asked them. And you know, I, I was on the road all the time and I'd, I'd take them to these crazy events that I'd get invited to. Like I, I got to hang out with Michael Dell for a little bit, um, at the golf tournament, like uh, just crazy people that I've gotten to meet. Uh, Rupert Murdoch's former CIO was my peer. Um, you know, those are people that, uh, most people will never get to talk to in their lives. And that was normal for me. Um, but I didn't know what my own children thought of their dad as a person. And so, um, I thought, well, what did I think of me as a person at this point? And that took six months of lots of, uh, painful, uh, truce, but you had to be very truthful with yourself. And I found that I got to see joy in my kids and what they got to experience and people that generally found happiness when I would talk with them, um, that gave me joy. It wasn't the winning. It was just people finding relief when we would sit down and talk, whatever that was, even if it was about nothing, hmm. they just needed to talk for a minute. And I'm like, well, I can talk. <laughs> that's, that's one thing I Shocker. can do. Um, so it, it, it really pivoted to drive me and to get up at what makes you get out of bed in the morning is one of my favorite interview questions I ask people. You know, everybody can lay in bed all day and rest and sleep. But like, what's that one thing that every day that makes you get up and say, yeah, I'm going to try again. What's it for you, Lucas? Um, I feel like if you ask me today, Yes. My son came downstairs the other day. It was probably two months ago. He said, Dad, I see you grinding every day. You're in the same spot, filling out your journal in the morning, having your coffee, 6 a.m. every day. And he's like, I just want you to know that's inspired me to work as hard as I have. And then this, you know, just three weeks ago, they won state competition for Uh, Cedar Park High School uh, trumpet and uh, and color guard, and they go down and fifth state competition in a row they've won. It's amazing. And he's a senior this year. Yeah. And so I think about me going out at 18, and I wanted to prove the world wrong. I wanted to prove that this person from nowhere could become something because there wasn't many people that made, I think there was seven in my high school that went to college out of the 92. And there were three that graduated. And I was the only one that left the state. I think there was, well, let me rephrase, I think there was one other that left the state. Um, and so, you know, I got to that, that pinnacle. I was, I was at the top of a billion, multi-billion dollar company. Um, you know, one of the top 10 people up there, VPGM, like uh, was all of these things. And I was unhappy as could be. Why? What was left? That was just one. I mean, when does it stop? When do you when do you stop chasing? Because you start the intention with you want to win. Exactly. So by doing that, you just keep propelled to next and next without uh, a tangible thing to graft. That's right. So what is the pivot for you from that moment of winning the world, but yeah, so feel a little empty inside to what was the change for you? For me, it was when I turned into, uh, mentally turned into an entrepreneur. Mm. Because if I was winning, somebody else was setting the rules. Mm. And they were, they were 
setting the game up so that even if I won, there were a really lot more winning? battles. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a, ma- a matrix, right? Who is yeah. really winning? Well, it, it came as a salesperson. You know, I, I would have a number thrown out in front of me. And then that was my, my target for the year. And let's say I hit that target in September, mm-hmm. which happened quite a few times. Um, did I get rewarded by saying, hey, we're going to give you more money now that you've hit your target? We're going to uh, we're not going to give you a new target. You can just you know keep doing what you're doing and then we'll have your next quota next year and we'll set it accordingly and we'll let you you know celebrate your win. No, it's OK. Great job. Now get let's say it was five million dollars. Now get seven million. So they would just add on. Now, did I make commission off of that additional? Yes. But I was exhausted. Of course. I was, you work really hard to get to that point. And then your your reward was more work. Yeah. It's almost like now <laughs> you are a little rabbit in that treadmill. That's right. The, the, the goal just keep advancing. And it's almost in the illusion of you achieving it, but you, you keep going. In, right. in the in the in a vague promise of something is out there that you are winning, but yet you are not. You just in a game. That's right. Look and, with yourself. And and there was aside from that core group that I worked with, it's not like people were lining the streets to cheer my success. Like it was, there was not anything there. And then I just thought, you know, if I do good work, it brings me joy in the type of work that I do. I get to connect people to work. And then I thought, how can I connect more people to more work? And it was that that aha moment that people, when they're appreciative, was really what made me feel good. Mm. And if I put out a positive energy to people when I talked with them, if I sat and complained about all the things that were either hurting on me or things that I were upset about, or this person did this to me and this, I'm projecting that energy that's stored up inside of me to that person. And if I expect them to absorb that energy and then give me back something positive, which is truly what will change the way that I feel, I'm setting myself up for failure. 100%. I need to be able to talk with them and explain what's good in my life. What are the good things I'm seeing out in the world? And then see what they come back with. Be the change we want to see in the world rather than put that ownership on others. That's it. And it's hard, especially as an entrepreneur, because everybody's problem is your problem in your business. Mm. If, if there is a problem in your business, my f- favorite line I tell to my team, who should I see about that? And I ask myself that all the time. If they're having a problem, it's not getting solved. Eventually it stops with me because I, I have the ability to affect directly what's bothering them. But if I spend all my time thinking about everybody's challenges rather than compartmentalizing and being grateful for the challenges that are allowing me to learn how to change my approach on mm. things, because I fail a lot. I fail every day. I say the biggest heart, one of the biggest things you can learn as an entrepreneur is forgive yourself at the end of every day. Oh, I love that. Because you're going to have to. You're going to screw <laughs> up a lot every day. You're going to say the wrong thing. Somebody's oh. going to take it the wrong way. You're going to do something. You're going to sign a contract that just is not a good contract. You're going to do mm. a lot. 
that's going to be very wrong. How do you forgive yourself? Was it easy? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, no. People go to therapy for years to learn how to forgive themselves. What's your trick? Um, I went any. to therapy for years. No, <laughs> no I did. Um, it, it was one of the best experiences I could have done. But um, that discipline that I talked about learning. Mm. So I wake up every day somewhere between 4.30 and 4 and 5. Um, we'll call it. I, I'm programmed to do that. I don't have an alarm no matter when I go to bed. I wake, And I can go back to bed sometimes. But it's almost 95%. I'm up. And then what is my process when I wake up? Tell us about your morning routine. So Pretty impressive. Um, I wake up and uh, go into uh, my office. And I've got a beanbag uh, that is laid out. And I have um, my binaural beats and I go and I do a, uh, a 30 minute to 60 minute meditation every morning. You uh, lay there and you have the beats on your ear? Yep. My, my AirPods in and I play binaural beats so that it's uh, kind of scrambles my brain. Because uh -huh. when I wake up, that's me personally when I am most active in my head. Mm. Like the stuff I've had sleep and now the brain's like, all right, come on, get, get up. Get up, it's time to go. Yeah. Um, and so by sitting there and kind of letting that process, the next step is I go out, I drink a glass of water, and then I have make a, a cup of coffee and a bagel every morning. And then I sit down and I have a journal. Um, it's right down, right over there. Mm -hmm. um, right out, uh, it's called the Best Self Journal. Um, cannot recommend it more for anybody. Um, and I have my notebook and I write down whatever is in my head at that moment, just bullets. And I'll put a whole, usually it fills up about a page. And then I turn those into what are the actions I need to take today? And then what do I need to delegate? Because they're generally, it, I, I like to do things. So I have to really force myself to delegate um, and set three targets for the day. And I enter those in my journal and then I time block out my calendar mm -hmm. with what's in there. I hand write it out write the tasks over on the right side that didn't make it into the top three. And then I've got my day planned. Mm. Now, that day plan, plan the best laid made plans, as they like to say. Um, it's probably going to change. But what I keep coming back to throughout the day is that I get the three core things done that I deemed as success for the day. Mm. And so after I get done with all of that, it's about seven o'clock. I go through my emails, um, make sure that I got those sent off and go through my texts and my slacks and all the pieces. And then I drive the kids to school. Um, sometimes my son's been driving. So, um, but that morning routine of that three hour period where I'm allowing my brain to process what happened the day before allows me to emotionally feel those things as well that I had to compartmentalize throughout the day because you don't get to react to what people say. If you do, you're probably going to be upsetting them in some way, shape or form. They're looking to you as the leader. So you have to be able to have some sort of emotional release. And it's very key to say emotional. Some people, you know, they, they think physically and they, they do that and then they can, they can feel better. But having those control that control over your emotions starts with feeling them. An emotion is temporary. You let it pass. 
you feel it and you let it pass. And that period in the morning is when I do that. Was it when you in the bed or were you journaling? When All do you feel that? All of the that? above. Mm. It that's when my brain should. So, getting the beats mm-hmm. and meditating is where I just let the the thoughts kind of appear mm. and start to feel the reaction that I have to those thoughts. Oh, so you kind of play that mm-hmm. in your mind aloud then. Yeah, when this person, I can basically play it like a recorder in my head. Of what was said the day before, and when I was in that conversation, I was CEO Lucas,、mm-hmm. and I was the person who simply had to observe and not absorb.、Mm-hmm. In that morning time, replay the conversation. I let myself feel the emotions that were that would have been going on in that conversation had I not compartmentalized. And sometimes, you know, I'll end up crying. I'll wake up like. Come out of the snap, and I'm I got tears running down my face, and but then that tells me, okay, well, what actions do I need to take? Because now that I felt that, now that I can look at this logically, and figure out what is the best solution for the challenge at hand, I go out and I write those down, and then prioritize them, put them into a plan for the day, and go. I think it's so not only healthy but courageous for.、Um, Again, from outside, you are very successful CEO, a, a man, a male figure. Where oftentimes, I think in society, we don't talk about feelings or emotions. And I, you know, one thing I definitely admired so much about you is, you know, use your word to even kill that temperament, whatever the 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 storm hit you. And and I love that you just have such a discipline to allow yourself、um, play different role accordingly. And Still allow yourself being a human, but having a process to to support that. I was I was very quick to react for my whole life, and I still have a challenge. Like I, I, I I'm told I think very quickly.、Uh, you really are. My、uh, my investor、uh, that we're, we're we're working with is、uh, told me last night. He's like, "You are a 500 mile an hour bullet train." That. Needs to slow down a little bit every now and then, but I don't want to tell you to slow down because you're doing great. <laughs> <laughs>、so, um, that appearance of a 500 mile an hour bullet train, it comes from that discipline.、Mm. Some days I don't feel like reaching out to these customers that I know are going to be difficult, and I don't feel like getting on the priority meeting with my team because it's going to be a lot of. Job and I've I've had a long day. I just I don't want to deal with it. But the discipline has taught me: if you deal with it, unexpected positive things may come out of that.、Mm. I heard a word saying: do the hard thing, hard thing become easier.、Mm-hmm. Choose to do easy thing, easy thing become hard. When you are presented with a challenge. Um, how you your perspective on that challenge changes everything. I used to be angry at the world for all of the things that it put in my way for me to win. Getting hit by the car,、I、had to wait another two years to start at quarterback as a, a in high school. I was supposed to start as a freshman. I was angry.、Um, you know. Going out to、uh, Arizona State,、um, you know my、uh, my girlfriend 
before I met my wife, uh, was killed in a car accident. Um, and you know, I got that phone call at 2 AM, um, was really angry at the world. Um, you know, my dad got cancer and passed. It's just angry. Um, all of those things that make you angry, um, when you get to an emotional state of where you're able to accept that it happened and accept that maybe that was to help you learn a lesson so that others don't have to go through that pain, um, that's when everything changed. I stopped being angry about what perceptually were the bad things that were happening and thought about what lesson have I learned in the past that will allow me to change the outcome of this similar challenge that I'm having, even though emotionally I'm spun up right now. Mm -hmm. This is really affecting me. Um, how can I change the pattern of behavior from the past to drive a different outcome? So you interrupt your own pattern to have a different exactly. outcome. Exactly. Everybody has their patterns. Yeah. But it's just so admirable that you have such acute self-awareness to see that. But not only that, you dive into deep, which is not the easiest thing to do. And through that, I see you reverse like a Venus. It's to rebuild it, your life. It's accepting, um, you know, uh, financially we've been in a challenged state as a bootstrap. We, we, we scaled quickly. We had to scale back down. We've scaled back up. Each challenge that pops up, I can get angry about why didn't we hit these crazy goals that we should have hit. But, you get what I call a case of the shoulds. And I should have done this. I should have done this. Well, you did this. And now this is the reality. And how can you make that reality better? Instead of, well, I did this and now I'm angry. And uh, what was me? Um, so th that's the maturation, I think, over the years that when you, you start to be grateful for the challenges. <laughs> Not easy. Not easy at all. Yeah. Not easy at all. Um, that's when you start to really learn mm -hmm. and that's when you can, you make the decisions based on what's important to you mm -hmm. of what you learn and how you apply it. I'm curious, Lucas, on this whole journey that is just so beautiful, first of all, you know, help us see all the journey unfold in front of us. I'm curious as today, what does success means for you? And to that, are you a success? Um, so that is a, for some reason, that is a straight to the gut question. That's a, that's a good one. That's why I ask. I know you're always good at that. <laughs> you, you always put me in my spot. Um, I would say, uh, am I a success right now? Um, what was a success, first of all? I, want, I wanted to, when I started out, I just wanted to change the way that work was connected to people. And in that order, because people will always connect to the work they want to do, but the work to be found by the people who want to do it can be a challenge. Mm. So one there's in perception, there's more than one. And I said, if we just affect that, then I'm successful. And we've done that. Um, do I think I am personally a success? 
I think there's a lot more to go. Um, I, I don't think, I don't think that I have been successful in many, many situations. I, I have not won because that's what success used to be with who I want to be today. I feel like I am successful. Um, because the people that are judging the success are the family that I I've built and and the friends that count on what we've built, um, and believe that, you know, us working together and me leading it, both the family and the, and the work is, um, that for me was success is to have that trust of the people around me that I trusted and, and cared for. Um, so I think in that instance, I've been very successful. Is there more? <laughs> it probably is. Uh, depends on whose eyes. Let me, let me, let me you know, answer it that way. As I'm asking you that question, I'm thinking to myself, what was success for me? Mm -hmm. And one thing come to my mind is there's a saying called you don't play you don't win unless you play. Mm -hmm. And the fact that we are in the arena, yeah. we already won. Yeah. And that is so that's really good insight. Um I would say that yes, I am a success because I tried. Yeah. And, and that's that's actually been said to me by more than a few people is you actually had the courage to go out. Yeah. When we started, um, my wife and I had about 100000 in credit card debt. We had spent over 800000 in nine years in medical expenses. Um, and uh, she has, uh, you know, different um, autoimmune disorders and things like that. And, you know, kids get sick, kids have challenges. And, um, you know, I was m always making good money. Uh, I, I, since 25, I'd always made over six figures. Um, but the amount of expenses and, you know, Angie was unable to work uh, for 10 years just because of some of the things. Um, it put me in a position where I had to make a decision where I keep trying the same thing and going and working for somebody else. Um, you know, I had a, a very high compensation, uh, when I left manpower, uh, OTE was seven figures plus. Um, and threw that all away with very little in our bank account. We owned our house, but, um, and again, I, I was seven figures and barely making ends meet because of the way that things were set up. Getting us to that point was not, we did what we had to do to try to keep, you know, keep things going. Um, there was just a moment where I said, you know what? I don't care what happens. I know this is not working <laughs> and I am going to go do the thing where I have been paid to do this work before. I know how to do it. I do it really well. There's a reason I've been successful for other people. And if I've been successful for three other brands doing the same thing or something similar, then why am I not doing that for myself? And then what you start to realize is people are afraid to take the first step. I don't know how, I don't know how I had no clue, no clue. I, like I say, I can truck driver and teacher. Nobody in my family ever ran a business. They were all 
that and they were the most successful of the family. <laughs> so um, that ideation that I'm going to go do things a different way and where's the money going to come? I don't know yet. I don't know where the money's going to come from yet. And then you start a company in January of 2020 and COVID hits. And then the whole world changes and Ouch. you've got no idea what's going to happen. And, you know, we went through and we didn't close a deal until August. Eight months. Eight months. And then we closed a seven figure deal. And from there we grew and then we had to scale back because then sales fell off and then we had to scale up because sales hit again. I got added to the advisory board at VMware. Um, that had a monumental effect on our business. Um, I still am in touch with the, many of the, the leadership there, still sit on the advisory council, do a lot of business with them. Um, but for eight months, we had nothing. And we were able to get by and our, our belief together where you know, my wife helped me start the business. She ran the operations, I ran the sales, and we hired people to help when after we closed deals. But for the two of us, when your back's against the wall and you're desperate, you, you as Yoda says, you do or you do not. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those two. And wow, sad. Um, I, I would rather go down fighting than, you know, uh, not. That's so, a spirit. Yeah. You just, you get to a point where those around you who can't see the thing and you've tried explaining it to them, you still have to believe you're right. And you have to believe that you are able to do what's in your head. The moment that stops and you say, I can't do it, you're done. It's the faith that's separate mm -hmm. from the visionary mm -hmm. to others. It's how do I succeed? What is success? Who's going to tell me? Well, until you're ready to get real, real with yourself mm -hmm. um, and say, you know what? I've done all these great things. Still not a success because I, I was great by their definition. I'm going to be great by my definition, regardless of what anybody else thinks. I think entrepreneurship is the greatest spiritual pursuit. Because at the end of the day, just you and the world. Doesn't matter your business partner, your life partner, your amazing colleague. At the end of the day, just you and the world. Am I, in my eyes, do the right thing? That's right. My last question is, now seeing all that beauty, beautiful journey unfolding, I'm curious, what is one piece of advice you will give to a fellow entrepreneur who may be now or about to start a journey or in, in the grind, in the trenches like you were once? What would you tell them? What is one piece of thing you wish they know or you wish you know in an earlier time? Um, people want to help. Um, articulating what is important to you and your vision and your idea and doing so to people that you are don't know or would not normally articulate that to. For me, that was the first step. Um, and what the reason that I think that piece of advice is so important is you get very lonely as a founder. It, 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 
if you are not purposeful in seeking out the advice of others who have been through this before, this type of, of, of chase, then <laughs> you are, um, it's going to be a whole lot harder. Mm -hmm. um, I, I have an advisor on my board who I met through a dinner and we then got together for coffee three times. I didn't know what he did. I had no clue. That guy was just, I enjoyed, he was smart. He always seemed to have, you know, good conversation. I'd throw an idea, just kind of just talking about what's going on in life. He would too. Met five times. I learned this gentleman is a founder at AWS and reported to Andy Jassy, the CEO of AWS. Um, and literal genius. One of the uh, first uh, leaders, C-suites at Rackspace. Like, guy is just much more wealthy than I'll ever understand. Um, and he really just wants to help. He, he has, I can call him. Um, I, he can just, he'll give me advice and he'll give me the advice that I need to hear, not that I want to hear. Mm. Um, I have the same thing with my CTO and my current president and GM and, um, you know, my wife, um, all of them, uh, learning how to communicate that thing you're scared of and you have the vision, um, be, be purposeful with it and don't be afraid if somebody doesn't understand, mm -hmm. um, because somebody will. And when you, when you get that one point of a, a reassurance, take it and run with it. I love that. I believe when you do the right thing, the right people always come. Mm -hmm. I agree. You, you attract what you put out. With that, Lucas, I want to acknowledge you. Thank you so much for being here, being so open and transparent. But more importantly, I just, you know, seeing not just resilience, but who you are and how you show up to this world. You rebuild yourself over and over again. You're running towards things that scared you the most with a head on and you always in the arena. And with that, you winged a thousand times to my standards. So with that, thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Wayne. But also thank you for being my friend. It's no, been thank you. such a treasure. Every single conversation, coffee meeting, dinner, lunch, always just, I just have new inspiration, new appreciation to who you are and how you show up to the world. And thank you for all you do. Thank you, Wayne. I appreciate you. Amazing. So thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in today. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. So I hope, cannot wait to see you all next week. Bye, guys. Ta-da! Ta <laughs> what do we think? That was fun. You were so good. I, I, I Yeah, I'm I just, just talking to you. <laughs> it's perfect. How do you like it? I uh, I enjoyed it. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Yeah. Any feedback concern? Is everything you you like? You wanted to see? Do um, I was trying to flow between stories and uh, career history to, as part of the story. Perfect. But, it's know, perfect. I didn't touch on a lot of it, but that's what I'm thinking. You should come back to the second option once everything closes. Let's talk about a little bit hard story, but like investment, the how the conversation goes. Aspects. Like I think we should talk about this is great first episode. If you open to like come back again, like that would yeah. be super cool. Yeah, no, I think that'd be great. But you did so well. I think actually very fun. Like you uh the story, the business and you and uh, like it it's just so I think it's beautiful. 
Well, thank you. And my benchmark is every time there's a moment I get goosebumps. Moments. Oh yeah, this is a good episode, and that's how I felt that. Awesome. I I, I feel like it'll be well received. I, I think it'll be uh, some of the people on the team will be interested to listen to it. I think they're gonna really see it's a beautiful gift yeah. because you are the gift. Just gotta gotta get it all done every day. That's all you can do. And you are doing it. I'm trying. <laughs> that's all we can do, isn't it? Because that's it. That's it. <laughs>